the Holy Land is at war this Christmas. Israel and Hamas are engaged in a bitter battle. And civilians are caught in the crossfire. So, is peace possible in the Middle East? And might, as some suggest, the road to peace run through Belfast? I'm Bill Cruz, and this is The Discussion. Eddie Jackson is a policymaker who was part of the peace process that ended the bloody feud between Protestants and Catholics in Northern Ireland. Eddie, how did finding peace in Northern Ireland start? Well, Bill, it was a very long and, in many cases, complicated road. And I think it's difficult to put a start point on it. Um, But certainly there were conditions, the war weariness on both sides that created an environment within which the main protagonists realised that they would have to come to the table and start to negotiate. Were there particular demographics that were more radical than others, say in poverty-stricken neighbourhoods? Yeah, well, there was this research around the world, though, in, in different conflict situations demonstrate that um, poverty and disadvantage and conflict have a strong correlation. Um, And there were particular communities within Belfast that experienced the highest levels of disadvantage, uh, but they also experienced the the most vicious uh, levels of sectarian conflict. The same in rural areas, particularly around border communities. So how do you get people who are prepared to kill one another in the same room, let alone negotiating? Well, I suppose there has to be a realisation amongst those protagonists that it's in their interest to pursue their political objectives through peaceful means. Um, Some are more reluctant to adopt that position than others. Um, And I suppose that then points to issues of leadership at different levels uh, that can both encourage that and facilitate the coming together, uh, but also have the courage to actually lead their, their movements or their parties to the negotiating table with enemies. This is Bill Cruz, and you're listening to the discussion today with Eddie Jackson, who was involved in the Northern Ireland peace process. Eddie, one of the most important things on the road to peace must be overcoming mistrust. Mistrust exists at a number of levels, and I'm not sure if trust is ever something that is fully established between protagonists who have competing identities, world outlooks, values, um, In a city like Belfast, where residential areas are characterised by religious homogenisation, in that suburbs can be exclusively Protestant, exclusively Catholic, Um, certainly when I became involved in the, the early 90s, the mistrust was tangible at a street level. And it was only through perseverance, by demonstration that government was legitimate in its attempts um, to improve the situation uh, at that community level, um, where you had the opportunity by being engaged within those communities 
um, we had the opportunity to forge relationships and build up that trust. It was a significant step along the way in, in terms of the, the broader and more formal and higher level of, of negotiation around the political table. In addition, do you need something that breaks a stalemate? There are a number of, of ways in which a stalemate can be broken, though. I think of the the current situation in Israel and, and, and Gaza. Um, that is an absolute catastrophic uh, situation. And sometimes it takes something as, as significant as that for people to come to a realisation or for international actors to, to become involved and say, look, we can't, the status quo is no longer tenable. There has to be some sort of intervention. I think what played out in Northern Ireland was at the level of the, the paramilitary organisations, we saw the emergence of politically skillful and pragmatic leaders who were capable of keeping the street on board. I'm thinking of people like Jerry Adams, Martin McGuinness on the Republican side, and leaders like David Irvin and William Smith on the, the Loyalist side. They had come to the conclusion that there had to be a better way. So is there room for ideology in peace talks or is pragmatism paramount? I think pragmatism has to be paramount, Bill. You know, if you're to have a political agreement, then compromise has to be made. We had 30 years in Northern Ireland of commitment to the respective ideologies of unionism, loyalism, you know, republicanism, nationalism. But ultimately, the pursuit of those aspirations should be on an ongoing and exclusively peaceful, non-violent means. I think the difficulty for the situation in the Middle East is that we have, on one hand, a sovereign state committed to democratic principles and a movement that is a, a radical religious movement dedicated in its charter to the obliteration of a sovereign state. I think it would be very encouraging to see a more progressive leadership emerge on the, the Palestinian side and on the Israeli side, where each would actually seek a peaceful resolution to the solution rather than through military means. Talking about pragmatism, members of the IRA were released under the agreement. How important is give and take? Well, I think it, it was absolutely fundamental um, to the progress within Northern Ireland. And essentially, the, the deal that people signed up to in the Belfast Agreement um, was that as part of the outworking of that agreement, uh, former political prisoners would be released. And that in itself was a difficult concept and practice for people, who, particularly those who were victims of those same individuals. But in return for that, the paramilitary organisations committed to a decommissioning of weapons and, as I've said, the commitment to exclusively peaceful means. This is Bill Cruz and you're listening to The Discussion with my guest, Eddie Jackson. Eddie, when you analyse peace processes around the world, where does it suggest the Middle East needs to start? 
I think there has to be, first of all, Bill, a, a desire on the part of, of the Israelis and the Palestinians to nonviolent means towards their political objectives. I think the international community must play a significant role, and I think they will. And then you can build the process around that. And again, I think that depends on local context, local history and the cultural elements that come to play. What happened on the 7th of October with Hamas surely destroyed any trust that might have previously existed. That must be a huge barrier to peace. I think it, it will be, Bill, because I think the collective trauma that Israel and the Israeli society have suffered since then. I think it's also been associated with a hardening of attitudes within Israeli society. There's a sense of, of betrayal. And equally, the um, severe response that that has elicited will likely play out in a hardening of attitudes amongst the Palestinian community. We're, we're not in a good position. But that's not to say that the mistrust can't be overcome. But I think it does highlight the fact that any process, just as it was in Northern Ireland, is likely to take decades rather than, you know, a quick fix solution. The problem is that the main protagonists in any conflict, they adopt fixed positions and perspectives. And it leads to a, a sterile discourse, particularly around the politics of the last atrocity. There has to be something to break that narrative. And I think the difficulty in the Middle East is that you've got two peoples competing for the same territory. And there has to be a realisation that either they pursue the annihilation of one or the other, or they agree to share the geographic area in a way that, that removes the threat of violence. This is Bill Cruz and you're listening to The Discussion. Today with my guest, Eddie Jackson, who was involved in the Northern Ireland peace process. So, Eddie, do you need tectonic plates to shift in the Middle East for things to change? I think those tectonic shifts, our uh, plates have already shifted, Bill, with the events of, of the 7th of October and its aftermath. And I think, you know, like Northern Ireland, the framework of a potential solution is well known. It's well established. And I think if we look back to, you know, the Clinton uh, parameters of 2000 um, and the end of, of Bill Clinton's tenure as president, I, I don't think any solution can, can go far beyond that. Um, just as in Northern Ireland, a power-sharing arrangement was always going to be necessary. So the framework can be well known, but it needs something, some sort of stimulus to um, affect its introduction. And might that be the involvement of the international community or would that just be Western middling? No, I think it has to be the, the broader international community, though I can see no other option. So in reality, do you think peace in the Middle East is contingent on generational change, a, a sort of diminishing sensation of revenge? I do, Bill. Um, the challenge is how to break through those cycles and what are the measures that are required 
beyond the immediate crisis? What are the measures and the programs and the initiatives that need to be introduced to prepare and design social change within both the Israeli community and the Palestinian community um, and move it towards an accommodation whereby they can live in peace? Eddie, there must be millions of Israelis and Palestinians who yearn for peace. Are there any signs of hope for them? I think, like most initiatives um, at a civil society level, Bill, um, that quiet, dignified, noble work of peace building um, will be ongoing. The problem is it, it, it's not highlighted and it's not celebrated. And I think that's one of the, the big lessons that we certainly learned in Belfast, the civil society that often holds the social fabric of communities in conflict together during the worst of times, they can also be strong advocates for the transition towards peace. And I think you will find a, a, a community, at least at that level, that will be very open to the adoption of peaceful pursuit of political objectives. Eddie Jackson, thank you so much for talking to us today. You're very welcome, though.